Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, would you rather hear a sugar-coated lie from the doctor who says, everything looks great? I looked at the results. They're all negative. Enjoy your life. Would you really like a doctor to do that to you? Because if you do want that, here's your outcome. Very soon, you're dead. Now, let's take it to spiritual ways. You see where I'm going. You have to understand this. When it comes to us telling the spiritual truth, Jesus taught his disciples to simply tell the whole truth in love. You know, people say that they want folks to be honest with them all of the time, but most don't like it when someone accommodates them. Sometimes the pure truth is the last thing people want to hear. As a Christ follower, you understand that God's truth about their life is something people just don't want to talk about. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for people to hear the honest truth about their spiritual condition, whether they're believers or not. You'll be reminded that because of his infinite love, God's compelled to be honest with you so that you can be more like his son, Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. I just shared with you, the Canadian church, they speak no truth. But we have a lot of churches today, as I already told you. They speak partial truths now. Oh, we can't say that. We can't, we're going to lose all the people. We can't say that. Don't, don't, don't ever. Just go over it. Dilute the word of God. No, that's not what we do. They're pleasing who? Yeah, we don't want them people leaving the church. Well, of course, nobody wants anybody people leaving the church. But if I have to dilute the Bible to have the people stay in the church, I'm the one at fault. Because there's now no truth. Second, a God-pleaser, willing to speak the whole truth. That's what you have at our campuses. Our pastors, our staff people, we're willing to simply do one thing, speak the whole truth. Amen? Now, are we perfect? No. But the whole truth is. Number three, man-pleaser. Man-pleaser says what people want to hear. You know what a God-pleaser is? That pastor says what people need to hear. You need to hear it. I needed to hear it. That's why we have the Bible. It never returns void. It's powerful. It changes people's hearts. So we can't be men-pleasers, people-pleasers. We have to be God-pleasers. Now, do people really want to hear the truth? (laughs) Let me give you an example. You recently had some blood tests and a CT scan. And two days later, you go to the doctor's office. And the doctor knows from reading the reports, you haven't seen them yet, that you have cancer, but it's not spread. It's very treatable, but you're going to have to start right now with the treatments. Here's the question. 
You're the patient. Do you want to hear the truth from the doctor? I won't ask you to answer it. Just there's a question. See, hearing the real truth that you have cancer and you're going to have to have treatments, chemo, who knows, surgery, all kinds of things. Well, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? If you say, give me the truth, it's going to be very difficult. But you know what? At least you have hope because you're going to be treated. Now, would you rather hear a sugar-coated lie from the doctor who says, everything looks great. I looked at the results. They're all negative. Enjoy your life. Would you really like a doctor to do that to you? Because if you do want that, here's your outcome. Very soon, you're dead. Now, let's take it to spiritual ways. Do you see where I'm going? You have to understand this. When we comes to us telling the spiritual truth, Jesus taught his disciples to simply tell the whole truth in love. Pastors of Christ followers who are sharing the gospel are to please God, even knowing many unbelievers do not want to hear the truth. Why? They don't understand the outcome. If I'm here diluting the gospel and telling you, any of our pastors, that you're good enough to go to heaven without Jesus Christ, I'm absolutely taking you And once you land in hell, you go, why didn't somebody tell me the truth? It's because I was pleasing man and not God. Now, remember, Paul says, when you tell the truth, you have to tell it in what? Love. Nobody here really in their right mind would say to the doctor, I don't want to know the truth. I don't want to know the truth. You're crazy, especially today with all the kind of things happening. And if you're here and you're not a believer, well, I don't believe in the hell. Well, I'm sorry. It's 100% true. There's a heaven and a hell. Well, I don't care. Well, that's up to you. Because when you die, you won't go where you want to go. It just isn't going to happen. And so that's why Paul is saying we never dilute the truth of the word regardless of the danger. Regardless. If one day the government comes in and shuts me down, they can shut me down in the pulpit. But they ain't going to shut me down outside the pulpit. Or you as well, because we're the church. Amen? Now, remember one day, Peter Peter and John went to the temple, and they healed a man who had been lame forever. And he walked, and all of a sudden, thousands of people were coming to Christ. Is that the guy? Whoa, they came to Christ. And then the Jewish people said, well, who, who, who healed this man? And I, if I'd have been there, I'd like to say, you don't really, really want to know. Because it was Jesus. Remember, the Jewish religious leaders didn't believe in Jesus. He died. He was never resurrected. We buried him somewhere. I don't know where he is. Well, all of a sudden, here's what Peter said when they asked him that question. Who, who healed this man? He says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this is Acts chapter 4, rulers and elders of the people, we are being questioned today because of what we've done is a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to you, all of you, and the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Then he said this. Oh, by the way, the man you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. Whoa. And he gets better. Look at this. There is salvation and no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven by which a man or woman can be saved. Yes. What did they do? In spite of what? Being beat. Later, they'll do much more. In spite of all of that, they simply were filled with the Spirit. They were bold, and they told the whole truth. Now, they got called back in, and the religious leader said, 
Okay, we get the deal. Don't ever speak about them again. And that's happening all over our world now. I'm serious. It's happening all over our world in many, many, many countries. Now look at what Peter and John reply. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. No, we're not going to lie. We're not going to please you. We're going to please God. That's who we respond to. Here's number three. Spiritual success is living a lifestyle that pleases God and not man. That's just the way it works. You're here. I'm here. Not to please God. Regardless, we just have to take a stand. By the way, remember Cornerstone. He's the rock of our salvation. Don't ever, ever be afraid to uphold the good news. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians 2.5. I'm going to read it to you. Here's what Paul says. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get money. See, flattery is another one of those things like motives. That we use words in the service of self-interest. I want to say, man, you look fantastic today. I like your car, right? I really like your car. Oh, you're the owner of the dealership. I'm sure I really like the car. That's a great dealership. By the way, I'm looking for a car. (laughs) You see what the flattery is? It has nothing of truth at all to the person. You're just trying to get a great deal on a car. So understand, Paul said, I never use flattery to influence people so they would be generous with their money. Never, never. Flattery was a very common practice in those days. The false teachers would always say, wonderful, oh, you're great people. I just really love you. Don't forget now, we're going to move on to a new area. We kind of need some help here financially. You, know, just, uh, you even see that not just back then, but you see it today on television if you're not careful. Now look at verse 6. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. So Paul was honest and faithful. He ministered to the young believers with full truth. Doesn't matter if he received any praise at all. His motives were pure, and there was no flattery or greed. Now, here's one I want you to definitely write down, number four. And this is where you and your devotion time, where I and my devotion time have to consider what we're writing, and I have to judge myself in these areas. Spiritual success from God is this. Our motives are pure. We're doing it for the right reason. Number two, our words are true. What I just said to you, I'm not trying to kind of butter you up. No, my words are true. And last, our lifestyle is real. When I say I'm a Christ follower, I'm not a perfect Christ follower. Nobody is. But I'm working at being more and more like Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. So ask yourself as you look at that. This is what Paul's doing. He's saying that. Now, he's not bragging. He's trying to say, I'm very different from the people that are taking advantage of you and teaching you false stuff. No, no, no. Our motives are pure. I'm here for you because I love you. Our words are true. I'm teaching you the whole Bible. Number three, our lifestyle, what you see is who we are. That's the way we're successful with God. Now, what is the opposite of that? Look at what he says. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. You see, Paul was not a preaching machine. Have a nice week. See you guys. 
Not interested in any of you, but have a nice week. He wasn't a preaching machine. Now, when you have a baby, mothers, when you have that little baby, what are you doing as a mother to that baby? You're responding to the needs of the baby. You're giving of yourself. You're not a taker. You're a giver. You're responding to that baby. You're a mother because you love the child. Now, who's the one demanding all the time? Hello. Anyone have a young baby recently? Is that baby crying and I demanding you? Yes. For lots of reasons. They demand and we what? We give. And that's what Paul was saying. We're not here under authority to rule you. We're here to serve you. Just like a mother serves a child. Now, look at verse 8. What does that look like? What does he mean there? We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because, notice, you had become so dear to us. So Paul says, I'm privileged. I have a treasure. I'm sharing you the gospel. That's how you got saved. But I'm not just doing that. We're giving of our lives to you. Remember, Paul's saying there because of love. Love is not just an emotion. It's a verb. It's a verb. And here was how he was doing it. Look at verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. See, again, as a mother, Paul was a giver, not a taker. Here we see that he and Silas worked as tent makers. They did their own job. He was never asking them for money. They did their own job, made their own money, and they could minister to the people without being burdened to them. Remember, small little community, not much money, whatever. And Paul just said, we just gave our life to you. We'd work in the morning, come back, do a Bible study. After work, some in the afternoon, come back and do a Bible study at night. We didn't do this because we wanted you to give us money. We did this because we love you. We laid our life down for you. Now, when I read verses 7, 8, and 9, God brought to memory a very emotional moment that I had, a moment of truth on one of our first trips to Israel. This is like probably 20 years ago. And when that happened, we were in this little small park in Israel with our group of people. And in that small park, there was sample areas. There was like a well with the water, and you could picture Jesus with the woman wanting, pulling water up and making it a spiritual application. Had those kind of things there. And one of the things they had in this small park was a little pen where sheep were actually there, and there was a gate all the way around. There was a fence all the way around, then a gate right there. And I remembered this, and I want you to see this. This was kind of what it was. It was not that big. It was much smaller. But notice, do you see the sheep? Hello? You see, who are the sheep? You guys, me. And who is at the gate here? That's the shepherd. What's he doing? He's blocking the opening. Why? Is there anybody that would like to get the sheep? Yeah, wolves, all kind of animals would like to get in. So he's protecting. 
In the morning, he'll call them by name and lead them out. Notice what it says, John 10, 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Wow. Just picture yourself. When I saw that, like a shepherd, Paul was caring for these new believers. He was teaching them, directing them, and laying his life down to protect them. When I was there, I don't even know why I did it. There was no shepherd, but there was a gate. I got down like this. And I laid in front of the gate. And I was a young pastor. And I began to weep uncontrollably. You know why? Because I realized the church that God brought me to, that we started. I need to lay my life down for the sheep. This is not a job. This is not a job. This is a calling from the shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. All our pastors understand this principle. See, we're here for you. We're imperfect, but we're here to protect you from false teaching. We're here to love you. We're here to make sure you're getting healthy. And we're here... So that when you do your life daily, you hear the real shepherd say, follow me. And he will lead you to Psalm 23, green pastures, still waters when you're troubled. Absolutely. I have no idea why that came back to me after so many years. But I think it's to remind us that we're here for one reason to be the followers of the greatest shepherd in all the world. His name is Jesus Christ. It's never about a man. Never. It's always about making God look good. Now, I want to show you a verse. It goes with what I just talked about. Paul writes it. I like the message in this one. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Here's my last key. Here's my last key. Spiritual success We are to give our lives to God and enjoy loving him and serving others. I want to remind you that you are serving God because you as a a person that's a minister, it's not a job for you either. You're just like us. It's a calling from God. Thank you for making a commitment of your time and your talents, your possessions, your passions. Way to go. But don't forget We have a treasure. It's called the gospel. And it has to go to the hearts of people. Thank you. It's really a joy for me to serve you as all of our other pastors. It's not about me. It's about all of our pastors who want to serve you. We're just like you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do one thing in all the campuses right now. Why don't you just stand where you're at? I'm going to pray a prayer for you. First, I want to do this. If you're here 
and you've never turned your life over to God. Let me just kindly say this to you. You will never be a success in life. Everything you try, even though it might look materially great, you're going to be empty inside. You were made to have a relationship with God. And if you try to please yourself and not God, you will never be a success. Remember, Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. So at the end of this service, I want you to walk up to me. I'll be over here. Pastor Dave will be down front. Pastor TJ will be down front. We'll have prayer counselors over here for other things at our campus, a need that you might have. But I want you to walk up to me at the end and say, Pastor Mark, I'm ready to give myself to God. I want a new life. I'm doing really well, but I'm empty. Well, of course, because you were created to have a relationship with God. And so don't try to please yourself and just stay in your chair and go home. Because you go home the same way you came, empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death. Just come up and wait, shake my hand. The pastor's at your campus. And I'm just proud of you because you're going to be real. You're going to be real, and you're going to watch God touch your heart. Now, all the rest of us that are believers, why don't you put your hands out like this? Everybody, just like this, just open like this. And I'm going to pray for you. And as I'm praying, here's what I want you to do. This is you. I want you to just raise you and just say, God, I'm giving you all of me. I'm a living sacrifice. Use me however you want. See, that's what God wants. That's a success. He knows better what he wants to do in your life than you will ever know, myself included. So as we do that, you just talk to God. I'm going to start the prayer. Father, we don't really understand why you loved us enough to get us to hear the gospel. So many people outside our buildings don't know that you love them and that there's a way they can have a life that's sometimes difficult, but filled with forgiveness and grace and joy and peace. This morning, Lord, we just lift our hands to you. Just lift your hands right now to God. And you just say to God quietly as you're standing there, God, that's me. I'm offering you Me, I am the offering. I want you to use me, to change me, to become more like you. Thank you for all you've done for me. And I want to do one thing, God. I want to please you, not myself, and not other people. My goal is to please the great shepherd, Just say this to him. I need your direction. I love you. I need your protection. I know there's an enemy, but I trust in you because the battle is already won. Use me with the treasure of the gospel so that your kingdom might expand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the difference between a God-pleaser and someone who tries to please men. You learn that your motivation for serving is critical. You should always remember that God is the ultimate judge of your motives and act accordingly. Loving God and others should be your goal, and doing those will ensure that you'll be doing what pleases God. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. That completes the teaching, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin a brand new message called God's Word is at Work in Those Who Believe. You'll be teaching about the responsibility of those in charge of the churches and other entities. Pastor Mark will introduce the phrase, Walk Worthy, and he'll explain what that means for your life as a Christ follower. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.